0: fields of work it's fields of work we're gonna talk about work and we're gonna talk about fields and we're gonna put them together and it's called fields of work one two three here we go hey everyone (laughs) I love it when someone counts you in and then stops. <laughs> it's like a uh, the, awkward, the awkward immediate pause. We went exactly half a second in this podcast without there being just something weird about it. Hey, this mm-hmm. is Fields of Work, a podcast about brothers and work. I'm Sam. And I'm Max. And we are brothers and we do work. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. Max, if you had to give a 20-minute presentation... Without
1: any preparation, what would you do it on? This is our checking round, by the way. Um, I was I was gonna ask if there should be like a a caveat to this question because I feel like the obvious answer for me, you can't say farming, like anything to do with organic farming, like any part of the like. That can't be anything related to your work. Tomatoes can't be nothing related to to my work. work. Wowzers, you know, now I'm, now I'm floundering. Okay, it can you know, be I'd about like, a
0: specific thing about your work, but it can't just be about uh, organic farming.
1: Yeah, understandable. I mean, I think I could give a uh, a real mean presentation about uh, how to prune and trellis hoop house tomatoes. I think that could be about 20 minutes. It's hard to say. There'd probably um, be like an element of like demonstration in it, like a hands-on yeah. type thing. S- Oh, yeah, for sure. For everybody, too. You know, Mm -hmm. everyone could be in there unless, you know, they're bad at it and then they're ruining my tomato plants and it's high stakes. But um, no, actually, it's it's one of the reason I chose that is because I think it's my it's my favorite or one of my favorite farm tasks. We've talked about this before. I'm pretty sure about how I just like when you grow them in that type of setting, you have so much control over them um, in the sense that you can really. Like the fact that there's like a system to follow, you know, it's, it's now willy nilly, you go to each and each plant and you follow this exact same system of what to remove and what to do before you can move on to the next one. And you, you know, get to reap the rewards when you go to harvest. And it's really easy because of how well, well you've been maintaining the plants and ideally your plants stay healthy for a lot longer. Um, it's just one of those things that – a lot of things that happen in farming where you know, you get to manipulate this thing, and if you do it properly, it's great for you. Um, nice. Yeah, it's cool. I think it's cool. All right. Cool. What about you? What are you going to give your presentation on?
0: I feel like there's a lot of different things I could give a 20-minute presentation on. I think that's mostly just a function of the fact that I like to hear myself talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, just that's why we do this podcast. Is I mean, this is this yeah this <laughs> podcast is this checking round basically for for us. Uh, mm-hmm. We definitely nail the no preparation part. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so when I when I use this check-in round at the client, I have a couple of go to answers. One that I feel like I could easily do twenty minutes on is the history of the 1990s rivalry between the Colorado Avalanche and the Detroit Red Wings. So where okay, that yeah. rivalry came from, what happened during it, the major beats, you know, kind of talking through the different key, uh, encounters and the key players. Uh, I could, I could
1: easily do that. People would love that. Oh, they would, <laughs> they would indeed. Um, I, I just realized, I guess, I mean, I like, you know, that was the hockey of my very, 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 very young youth, and I would not really remember any of it. Yeah. Um, but you were, I guess, you were like 10 years old, based on all that was going down. Yeah, you know, so late like, 90s, So I was born in late 80s, yeah. so yeah, 10, 11, 12. That's, that's, per, that's perfect timing there. I uh, yeah. I feel like I've had to really kind of real highlights and things, uh, which is not which is not the same.
0: No, it's, it's, um, it's not. Not quite the same. I mean, you get a taste of it through the rest of us, but... Watching it in real time and the, the the visceral hate that I had and have only recently overcome uh, for the Colorado mm-hmm. Avalanche is a is a real thing. And Claude Lemieux, f that guy. <laughs> that was me spitting on the ground.
1: <laughs> hey. mm-hmm. Have you found a, a different direction to to funnel your hate? The Red Wings are kind of you know no. so. Myth my, I, my, that they have no, my 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 hate, hate is funneled at the Red Wings. <laughs> <laughs> right now oh no <laughs> oh man. i mean it's a weird uh, love hate
0: thing because i watch every game uh oh, I've, i too, don't man i don't think i've missed a game yet
1: this season and they're just hot garbage yep i'm right there, i'm right there with you every, every the past couple years i've pretty much watched every single game they've played uh, and it's because we're masochists apparently <laughs> apparently well it's because every um, once in a
0: while they pull together a good game and it feels fun to watch and then we have games like yesterday and the game before where i think they've gone
1: what two games in a row being shut out and it's just how oh, i thought the game before yesterday we i don't know i thought i thought the one against nashville right now just that just happened was our first like real bad one in a and a little a little streak but it was so bad that i after the game sat on the couch just thinking i i lost that time for my life and didn't <laughs> even didn't even gain anything i didn't listen to a podcast during it like i usually do i didn't you know see anything interesting happen in the game um it was just brutal the only thing that came from it actually was that because of the feed i was watching i did get to hear a ref swear uh not realizing his mic was live and that it get carried over national television and <laughs> him say a thing that it got him fired uh yeah. which is pretty rare i feel like so i That's guess that true. was That was cool. Glad that (laughs) happened.
0: I always know it's been a really bad game when the group text that we are in with our parents and all of our brothers is just really, really quiet. And then at the end, somebody, this time it was me, just says, God,
1: we suck yeah and that's it Yep. (laughs) it was so boring it wasn't even fun to text each other about it while we were watching well there was it was just nothing to say it was one of those games where i couldn't think of a single thing to say it was also one of those games where you know it's a bad game when you look up and you go oh my it's already the third period like i can't believe that i've been sitting here kind of in this weird trance where i'm not really apparently taking in what's (laughs) happening because uh it's also it's also nothing um But so is there, so that's that's the one topic. Do you have any other non like work related topics that you think? you could Oh, I mean, get I could give minutes?
0: I could give a very detailed presentation on uh, the personal productivity system, getting things done, GTD. Mm-hmm. Uh, how to you know the, the the key principles, how to set up your system, uh, some maybe pitfalls to avoid, all the good stuff.
1: A proper golf swing no sure right
0: no we can't even (laughs) go into that right now i somehow (laughs) i have lost my golf swing i never really had it but i kind of had it and i have lost it badly
1: i don't know what's going on it's terrible do you think you fell back down to kind of where you should be i think i went back further i think i'm worse now
0: (laughs) than when i started
1: oh man i think that's i think if you ask anyone who golfs ever that's pretty common um I think dad would say that he got worse at golfing every Hold single on. year Hold that he on. continued golf. I don't take any advice
0: from dad about golf. Let's be very clear okay. on this. <laughs> okay. Very clear. I have read some things online that says if you develop kind of this snap hook, which I apparently have developed, it actually means you're very close to having a very consistent and good shot, which I feel like is just the golf industry putting kind of planting that information to get people to keep playing golf when they hate it. Yep. Uh, but maybe if it's true, maybe it means I'm actually very close to being very good. Yeah. So that snap hook, you're right. there. you're so close. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing. It's so frustrating to hit a snap hook like that because I can I can feel it in my backswing when I'm gonna do it. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'm, I I I like I, I step away from the ball and I re you know collect myself and I do it again. And it's <laughs> you would think if you feel it, you yeah. can
1: like change it. But Mm -hmm. so far, I have been unable to do that. You'd think. Uh, I'm over here nodding like, yeah, snap hook. I have no idea what that means. I assume it's a shank of sorts. Sort of a shank. Yeah, it's a shank. It's a a fancy shank.
0: (laughs) For a a righty like me, it's like a shot that goes hard left. Mm. When I golf, uh, I shank everything hard right, I think. That's Um, that's a slice. That's what I was doing a while ago. And I have since developed this. (laughs) I'm going the other way now. Nice. You'll find it sounds like you're working your way there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Max, <laughs> what's going on at the farm this week? What are you doing? Are you done farming? You've <sighs> all, all the, all, the f- all
1: everything grow and you got it out of the ground. Is that how that works? Mm-hmm. People don't realize, yeah, how quick farming goes. Actually, yeah. it's only been two weeks, but it's we did sure. We didn't. Yeah, we didn't record last week because uh, you were a sick boy. Well, because you um, were in the midst of your sprint harvest. Exactly. Yeah, I actually I haven't slept. <laughs> I haven't slept in two
0: weeks. <laughs> yeah no yeah i terrible. felt terrible last week, so we skipped and i skipped writing a newsletter and i just skipped everything but now i'm back back at it and just
1: brimming with content that's right, right. <laughs> um so anyways that's to say i feel like a lot has happened in two weeks it's the kind of thing where i feel like even trying to think back like i kind of take notes that think back of what i was doing two weeks ago is like kind of tough for me um and I don't know if that's a bad thing. I don't think I've had nearly as many concussions as you, but I just think it all it all blurs together. Um, but I uh, last time I think we I was rejoicing in the fact that, uh, we had the BCS up and running, and I was using the BCS to till some of the fields, and kind of felt like things were getting under control because I was finally kind of working, actually working the soil, and um, because of that, that kind feeling of feeling the till, like, yeah, and just getting oh, and then tilth getting that oh, good tilth. tilth. That's what I meant, <laughs> tilth. Get that good uh, tilth. The uh, basically that opens up, you know, the, a lot of possibilities now that the fields are finally actually being, you know, I, you know, c- could have planted stuff in them not using a tractor. Obviously, that's you know a thing, but um, the fields really needed to be shaped and formed, which is what I was doing by hand. I talked about how terrible that was and how it took me forever. Um, basically, since then, I've tilled all of the fields on the farm um, with a rototiller, kind of like a first past to kind of just loosen things up. Can I just say
0: up? something real quick? Before yeah.
1: we started talking
0: about farming stuff, I always just assumed a field was just a big rectangle of messed up dirt. Mm-hmm. And and then you put the seeds in there and there you go. But no, you actually make like designated areas where the seeds go. And then those are the beds, right? Yeah, there's beds. There's beds in, in the field. See, when um, I hear I mean, beds, I usually think of like flower bed like in someone's front yard.
1: Well, it's, it's just... More common in diverse vegetable operations, like the ones that I usually work on, because if you were a big monoculture, you're growing corn and soybeans and stuff, you know, your field is your bed because of the way that tractors and things like that work as you pull the okay, cedar behind you. So I'm not you. super no. crazy for thinking that. No, because then the, the cedar that you're pulling behind your tractor, you know, it probably is, you know, if it's a drill cedar for corn, it's doing, you know, 12 rows of corn or that, that's probably small, but that there's no bed really there. You look at a field of okay. corn you're not like, right. there's a pathway, there's a path, you know, there's no pathways. You don't go out there because you don't, that's the thing with big, big ag is you don't walk in your fields. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't matter if you did, but like, you don't need to traverse through Unless your field. Unless you're making you? a maze oh. it for Exactly. The and, uh, for you, the youth, the youth slum mazes. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's more common in in smaller-scale agriculture. Gotcha. uh, Or maybe not even exactly that, but diverse vegetable agriculture. Um, So, yeah, so basically I have officially – that was kind of the thing I was doing this morning. We have three inches of rain coming tomorrow, Hmm. um, which is going to make my fields pretty much unworkable for quite a while in the sense that I wouldn't be able to get this tractor. You don't really want to till stuff when it's super wet because if your soil is kind of clayey, which the soil here is – and then it dries after you've worked it when it's wet. You get, which I kind of did in some parts of the farm, you get just these like little chunks of soil that feel like concrete. You know, they've hardened really, you know, mm-hmm. and that's because I was tilling when it was wet and kind of throwing and stuff was sticking together. Um, not ideal. Um, but I also, you know, whatever I can, things can still grow in that. Yeah, that's uh, pretty
0: convenient though, too, because, you know, that means you don't have to go outside in the rain. What if it
1: worked the other way around? That'd be a bummer. <laughs> had to be tilling in the rain. Yeah. Well, there's. I mean, it'll be later in the year when I'm sure it'll be raining, and there's tasks that I need to do. Um, not picking tomatoes, as we discussed. As we but discussed. Other, yes. Other other things I will have to be out there in the rain for. Um, but anyways, doing finishing that process this morning. I've officially, except for one half of a field that was just too wet to even mess around with. Still, um, I've like officially marked all my beds. So if you came out and looked at the farm. You would see all these nice little raised beds because that tool that I talked about, you know, the rotary plow, as we discussed all the BCS yeah. implements on the last episode. So um, with all
0: these beds, did you uh, did you install the pillows and the sheets and everything?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, here's what, okay, no pillows, but kind of sheets because <laughs> because when you you know grow certain crops and you want to protect oh, them from the fabric, the bugs, right? You put that fabric over them. Burn so them the I did can. today. <laughs> What was that? <laughs> you burn it with a bean can. Oh, yeah. Well, no, there's two – okay, there's two different types of fabric. There's uh, that fabric, which is tight to the soil, which you plant there's in. so much
0: fabric in farming.
1: Yeah, so that's landscape fabric. That's against the soil. You know, it's keeping down the weeds. And Then there's like a row cover is what we call it, or remay is one of the brand names, like kind of like Kleenex. Um, but remay goes over the plants or the – if it's, you know, a direct-seeded salad mm-hmm. green, it goes right mm-hmm. over the soil, and that protects it from most notably flea beetles, which are little – little black bug that Almost uh pleasant they yeah they eat holes in anything in the brassica family um quick we don't do addendum and we don't normally salt we don't normally come back to things we've said before um to because everything we said before, before we've is always th- accurate well it's because yeah we don't ever make mistakes yeah. but i did i did a little research and discovered that i said a Thing that should have been obviously wrong to me as I said it. I,
0: I remember I kind you of called the out. <laughs> I called you a a little bit on it. I didn't say you were wrong. I was just surprised.
1: Yeah, so I called the I called the little ticks that that we can get here as as sea ticks. And I think you made some joke about how you know it's pretty far from the sea, pretty far from water. Why did they get that name? Well, it's because they didn't get that name. They're they're called seed ticks which makes which a makes hell of a lot more oh, sense. So much more sense. <laughs> um still haven't seen any of those. But to
0: say do you have a do you have a tick count yet? How many ticks have you pulled off yourself?
1: Still still zero unless what? there's something on me right now that I'm unaware of. Um should we, should we I do mean, like a live te- a tick check? No, I think that's okay. okay. Um but I think I'm I'm not working like in tall grass and stuff mm-hmm. for the most part. I'm working, you know, and I'm not walking through the woods or anything very like often. Snakes? Not yet, but it was 70 degrees today, and it's consistently staying warm here. I think I think it's uh, officially open season for snakes. You did see an shit. aardvark though, right? No. <laughs> Sam, what do you think? I think I saw an aardvark in Tennessee. What do you think, oh, what wait, hold I on. What did you see? No, backtrack. You think of an a animal that I saw that was surprising that wasn't an aardvark. An anteater? No. well <laughs> Well, you think? I live somewhere <laughs> so exotic. Tennessee is. Ard- it, it was an
0: Armadillo.
1: Ar- Ard- 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 i saw an armadillo armadillo. Right. A day,
0: armadillo dude i'm sorry i'm tired all right and in my head sure. armadillos and aardvarks have been like the same animal for a long time i know they're not i know one is like a giant dog with a long nose that eats ants i think is that what an aardvark does is <laughs> <That's laughs> different, different yes no arthur is an aardvark from the arthur TV show. <laughs> is an animated character man <laughs>
1: Yeah, but if Arthur was an anteater, if it's the same thing as an aardvark, his nose was not right on that show, and so oh. you're full of garbage.
0: Ant eaters in aardvarks are definitely different animals. Yes. They both have long noses, though. Man, the image of what I had in my mind as an aardvark is actually an anteater, and the other way around. <laughs> hmm. Wow. An aardvark kind of looks like a naked armadillo, I think. Wow, that's a bold statement. <laughs> I think. Uh, I mean,
1: yeah. An armadillo looks like an aardvark with armor and a
0: smaller face.
1: You know what? I see it. Yeah, I just looked one up. I don't think I really knew what they looked like either. And you're right, they're they're an armadillo with no armor. Um, an armadillo anyways, is yeah. just it's a
0: it's a it's a knighted um, aardvark. <laughs> <laughs> when you get, uh, so, when they get knighted, they get their shell and they become exactly. an armadillo. Uh, <laughs> <So> <laughs> anyway, anyway. You saw one. I didn't even know. I don't think I even knew they lived in the United States. I'm going to be honest. I thought this armadillo? was like a South American creature, an
1: armadillo. Yeah, no, man, Texas is uh, – you were born there. Come on. Are, okay. Texas I is don't with... remember Texas at all. Yeah, you were raised by armadillos. Raised um, by anyways, well, I don't know where we were. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You, just that you, fought, you saw one
0: and we were remarking yes. about
1: it. Uh, other farm stuff. So, yeah, I hadn't actually planted anything – outside yet as our last podcast um i had stuff in the hoop house i had tons of little seedlings that i had started but i haven't planted yet i just
0: can't believe we're gonna just go right by the armadillo you saw there's no there's not is that the first armadillo you've ever seen in your life
1: it is but it was dead what was it like it was dead man it was hit by a car it was a roadkill oh that's sad it wasn't even yeah it wasn't even exciting the reason i the reason i discovered it was because i stepped outside and there were about 30 turkey vultures which are large birds um, swarming at one end of the farm, and I was thanks for to work clarifying
0: that turkey vultures are birds when both words in their name are individual
1: birds. I wasn't, I didn't think people wouldn't get that. I was trying to say that they're very large birds. Oh, uh, you're emphasizing the large, not the bird. Large, part. not the bird. Okay. I think. By, oh man, you are tired. <laughs> Anyways, so they're they're large birds. So they and, were feasting um, on this armo. They were prepping to feast on this armo. They were all. Oh. they were, I don't know how all thirty of them were. Any of them were going to get a little bit of that. Um, is armo I mean, the thing
0: like, we can guess, we can say? Can we call them armos. I think so. Well, he's right. dead. He's not. Dead. <laughs> that's,
1: that's true. All right, we um, can
0: move on. I'm sorry. I guess you know it's not every day that you see an animal for the first time.
1: That's true. That's very true. I when think it happen.
0: When's the last lot. time you saw an animal for the first time?
1: Oh, that's you can't so say horrible. zoo. Deep. Um. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Um, me neither. That arm, that armadillo. You were right. I. Oh no, I've seen a bald eagle before. There's bald eagles on the property too, which is pretty cool. Um, but I think I've I think seen me was before. a dolphin. It's so, a dolphin. Yeah. When but when, uh, when was that? When I was in Florida. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're down all these tangents here. Um, but anyways, as I was trying to say, that we're gonna blow past the armadillo now because, like I said, yeah, the that's fine. Was dead.
0: I, I feel like we have we have exhausted that topic.
1: Okay, good. Unless you want to talk about ardvarks. <laughs> we'll save that for but, another time. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I've you know officially uh, put stuff in the ground. I've planted um, radishes and turnips, arugula, carrots, beets, lettuce mix, and bok choy out in the fields. Um, and it, that doesn't even like. It's been so nice here now that I'm so thrown off that it feels like there should be way more. I feel like I'm now I feel actually incredibly behind because it's <laughs> 70 degrees here. I'm putting in these like pseudo cold weather crops, you know, for spring. And it's just like I should be jumping right past. I feel like you know, I should be putting in summer squash right now with this weather we're having. I don't doubt that there's a chance that we'll get some cooler weather. But I, knock on wood, don't foresee a frost in the, the 15-day right. forecast. And we're almost into April now. And so it's just like – I don't know. I definitely feel like I'm a little, I'm a little behind and that's not full on stressing me out. Cause not, there's like, there's not any timeline or, um, contracts that I need to fulfill mm-hmm. for crops or anything. Um, I don't have a CSA at this farm this year, so it's not like I need to have stuff by a certain date. Um, it just feels like looking outside. I'm like, I sh- there should be more, there should be more in the ground. Why you um, put more in the ground? Well, that's kind of what I did today. I planted some beds today, you know, with more greens and stuff just because I was like, well, the weather's nice and I should I should do I should do this before the rain and um, the thing I discovered when I was making all the beds, um, finally got a if you hear a noise in the background, it is flossy. Um <laughs> they're this whole new uh this daylight savings time. Their bedtime is later. And uh he gets it's it, we're going to go with he gets really? real vocal around right. bedtime. So, um What sound that a a male goose makes at bedtime? Uh, the same one they make all the time, which is a lot of, but like not even a full-on honk, like a real, it's real, real nasally, real grunty. Um, mm -hmm. And um, so when I was making all the beds, I was kind of going off of when I was doing all my crop planning. I thought, you know, this field has twenty beds in it. That's kind of what the previous farmer said, um, and he had estimated that, and that's what I planned on. Well, then now that I've actually made all the beds, and you know, the field is filled out um i've realized that i have at least an extra 10 or 15 beds throughout the bonus entire Bonus beds bonus. <laughs> exactly that's kind of what it felt like when i started counting i was like this is gonna be more than 20 i already get more i was like oh my had no one field was 25 so i have at least an extra 10 beds to work with um which is amazing when you're on this scale because i think this i'll have just over 100 beds on the farm um and you know 10 percent more beds that's pretty that's pretty great um so i don't really have part of my my week was trying to figure out like you know if i'm gonna put something in there that is needs to be started as a seedling like i need to account for that buy more seed um can you use these bonus beds to like grow something that you weren't planning on
0: growing just for the fun for the fun of it like what what what's kind of like a little fun crop to to go plant you
1: know just for just for fun um i'm trying to think what that would be well I, I'm apple trees of doing this actually yeah they're not a quick turnaround there though <laughs> but i'm not gonna put in the middle of my field where every year these beds grow something else a very perennial crop like an apple tree <laughs> why don't you grow some like uh coffee beans okay these are good ideas keep them coming i really like this i feel like you're gonna come to something good eventually coconuts Okay, yep, we're getting closer. <laughs> getting more realistic at least. You're slowly working your way north. Wait, it's more realistic than I just said coconuts? <laughs> no, I was thinking compared to coffee beans. I think coconuts oh. seems like we're getting a little closer. Okay. Um, but no, I think actually to strawberries. answer that question. I could do that, but okay, here and this is how strawberries <laughs> work here. You need to plant them in October basically. Um, so you need to plant them in the fall. They overwinter and then – They are already established that they'll be, you know, start growing right away right now. I could have, like, tried to rush out and get some, but I don't think they would have produced. What's um, strawberry doing over the winter? Just, you know, biding its time. But (laughs) why can't
0: it bide its time on the shelf of the seed store so that then you buy it
1: and put it in the ground? I guess I I don't know why people don't. I could have rushed out and tried to find some. The other thing might be is that in this time of year, people don't have strawberry starts available. You don't Mm -hmm. necessarily. I wouldn't go out to the field and just put a seed in the ground because it would take a long time for that to actually turn into a plant. So and you usually like, put it that's in. And like, that's pro-level farming. You're just not quite there yet. Yeah, maybe that's Somebody the, that's, has to put uh, the seed in the ground? Yeah. You know what they do? They put a seed in a, little cu- in a little cell inside of a greenhouse where they have perfect growing conditions, and they turn that into a, a – So yeah, I guess I could make perfect growing conditions in my field. I'm just a quitter. Um, and I like <laughs> to make the easier way, which is put the, the transplant in the ground. Um, so I'm going to put strawberries in in the future. Uh, this fall I plan on growing some, Emily but she's literally using a blender right now. It's like she,
0: I, I, this is the, I, this is the first time I've heard her use a blender in weeks. <laughs> and it's at
1: <laughs> eight thirty at night, the night that we happen to be recording. Yeah. Well, Hey, little, do you know she had been planning this blender time for a long time? God, like she has to be trolling us. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe she's now she's getting mad. She's trying to actually bring our podcast down. Yeah, I think, so. um, I'll uh, rapid-fire a couple other things. I was telling you right, that me, me. I was rapid kind fire. of doing Lightning round. We are, we, are there we're lightning do- bugs in Tennessee? I think so, yes. Have you seen any? Are you okay? Do you, t- <laughs> uh, you need coffee or something? I, feel like- uh, I, I went for a really hard bike ride right before this. Now my arms are tired. That shouldn't affect your podcasting. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a terrible excuse for why you are interrupting me and just throwing things out like a I'm kindergarten. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to be focused now. Hit me with it. All I want just all I want to say was, we were gonna do a U pick field, mm-hmm. um, growing the kind of crops where it was not didn't make sense for me to grow them as a uh, out in the fields for me to pick and try and sell because it would just take too long for me to harvest green beans, you know, snow peas and things like that. Why? What, what is it about
0: those that are hard? They're just like harder to pull off the plants. Yeah.
1: So I mean, it's it's what they call like a. You do like a cost-benefit analysis for crops. Uh, a lot of other farmers have done this, and people kind of follow their numbers. And you can do it at any farm. But basically, you just track your time for how long it takes to actually harvest, um, specifically harvest this crop, and then how much can you sell it for? The golden rule in market gardening farming is roughly a hundred dollars an hour when it comes when you're harvesting. Mm-hmm. So if I go out to harvest a crop and I'm harvesting for an hour, I should be bringing in a weight or quantity that is going to be over a hundred dollars. And so for salad greens, you know that could just be ten pounds of salad greens. That's pretty easy to do. Um, Even cutting by hand, but using a harvester, like you can get that. That's why it's one of the highest value crops. Same with tomatoes. Things like green beans and peas, they take a long time to pick. You sell them by the quart. People are only going to pay three dollars a quart, and so you would need to pick thirty-three quarts, you know, in an hour, and that's just. On yeah. like a not possible. i haven't picked that many vegetables
0: in my life but i have picked some green beans and they piss me off every time
1: yes they're hard to find if you're yeah. growing green green beans they're hard to find you are hunched over more than normal it seems like it hurts your back it's slow moving um they don't yield very much plus um, they're not even so that good of a vegetable they're not that good of a vegetable <laughs> i feel it I feel unless the same way. unless you cook, cook them southern the style yeah, you cook it with some,
0: <laughs> but you can uh, say that
1: about literally any vegetable. Exactly. <laughs> you throw that in with some ham, it's gonna be better. Yeah. Um, so there's, we were gonna do a U pick field, kind of designed around putting those type of crops in the ground over there. Yeah, get the chumps um, out there to do it. You know, we were gonna potentially do a U pick CSA where you could pay just like a small amount to come out and pick stuff from the farm every week. But we, I, I decided that was too stressful, too much to try and add in for this first season. Um, I don't want to try and coordinate a 10 person CSA where I can't maybe even guarantee that they're gonna have that much you know, who wants to join a CSA where you're getting two things a week and you're picking (laughs) and you're picking And one of those things is green beans. (laughs) And one of those things is probably green beans. Um so it was just kind of stressing me out to try and think of like I need enough diversity for the CSA to be worth someone's time and money. Um hard to compete with just like an actual CSA where you can pay more money but get, you know, seven crops a week. Mm -hmm. So we had toyed with a bunch of different ideas of doing like a a volunteer garden like a children's garden but i think we're going to kind of treat it now um my plan was like there's some things that we're not growing on the farm that i would like to have fresh and available to myself if possible Ooh. um so you know the main one being just like i really like um you know normal regular not sweet potatoes just regular old potatoes they're fun to grow they're cool they're really satisfying to harvest mm-hmm. um they're pretty be low maintenance for the most part, but again, on a small farm, it's hard to make money on them. But I personally would like to grow them for myself. So we're gonna take this that field um, that's kind of the farthest away. It doesn't have irrigation run to it, and just treat it kind of like a, uh, a you know, a home garden a essentially. Garden. Yeah. Um, and especially since you know, obviously, I live on the property, but the the owners are out with their kids on the property pretty often, especially in the summer. So things that they want to grow that we're not growing on the farm and things like that we can put back there. Um see so, you know, I'm going to I'm going to plant peas tomorrow probably in the rain um because you know I'm not going to use them to try and make money off them as a crop but they're again nice to have when they're in season. You so I want to eat peas. Yeah, yeah, I do. I like the like fresh, you know, not the not peas that you shell like the full pod and everything. Like a sugar snap pea is pretty good. Oh, sugar snap pea. So, okay. Yeah. So that's stir yeah. fry with um, mm mm-hmm. Mhm. <laughs> so uh so we're gonna that's the plan as of now um and and who knows maybe i'll discover that i really want to plant something as a crop for the farm and i don't have any space for it like that will be kind of the backup space and that's kind of where things can go um so that's yeah that's that's kind of where i'm at now i will say that i did harvest some shiitake mushrooms last week which was cool um i I don't think i really talked about growing mushrooms or how you grow them on a farm uh have we ever talked talked i don't think so um, I'll just talk about it quickly. Basically you can grow your own shiitake mushrooms and oysters, a, a bunch of different ones, but the easiest ones are shiitakes and oysters. We just have shiitakes here. Basically you take a like four foot long log of a hardwood tree. Um, so usually people do oak and things like that. You can do maple as well. Uh, and ideally and it's best if the tree was like, it wasn't like you went out and found a dead tree laying on the ground in the forest. You know, if you had to cut a tree down on your property, whatever you cut it into four foot lengths. Um, ideally not over like eight inches in diameter. So, you know, pretty, not a giant log or anything. And then you take that, you soak it in, or you drill a bunch of holes in it, staggered all around the log. And then you buy online, you can just buy, um, shiitake mushroom spores basically. And they come in this like sawdust mixture and you just use this little gun thing where you shoot the spores into the little holes you drilled. You put a little food grade wax over it to seal it. And then you can soak the logs if you want to really force them. You can soak the logs in water and then you put them in a shady spot on your property. And then over the next three to five years, they will just put out mushrooms over time. Um, Ideally, what usually causes a flush is they get a bunch of moisture from something and then they get warm weather and then they, they flush out. Um, you can force that. People force that by soaking the logs in big tubs and then putting them back outside. And you can kind of guarantee you get all these mushrooms at one time because otherwise they just sneak up on you whenever you get the proper conditions. <laughs> and that's what happened to me. It was basically I walked over to the logs uh, on Friday and was like, oh, my goodness, I have, you know, not Mushroom nothing day. insane. But, but it was, you know, about three pounds of shiitake mushrooms, which, you know, they can sell for 10 to $15 a pound. And so it's. And they're easy to harvest. You just cut them off with a knife, and they're right at you know waist height, and it's really nice. Um, And so basically, we just we just sold them through friends of the farm. Basically, so I spent Saturday morning being the shiitake guy, uh, driving around in my car with Mr. bags full of shiitake mushrooms. Did you get any? Did you make any uh, any Um, of them? There's some. There's still some out there that were smaller that have grown a little bit. I'm gonna cut them and I think throw them on a pizza. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe this weekend. So. Um I think I mean that's all that there's some boring stuff that I could update on but we oh and we did our first um not counting the shiitakes a first harvest of something that I planted which was the arugula in one of the hoop houses um we harvested 15 pounds and washed and packed it and sold it to the that meal kit company called meal um so I delivered there on Monday um and that was you know that's exciting, satisfying and ceremonial kind of the first you know the first thing that I have put in the ground here um to harvest and um you know it feels nice to be to finally be making some money as uh, i've been mostly just spending money to get things going um that's pretty much that's pretty much it tomorrow i don't plan on doing i'm gonna sit down and do computer work because i think it's gonna be a monsoon out there uh, which is exciting after today i today was a very long hot day of lugging around a, a tractor you know a walk behind tractor all day mm-hmm. so but that's it that's life on the farm Life on the farm, and how is
0: I guess Sir Flossy now? You guys best friends?
1: Yeah, uh, no, uh, we're still we're still looking for the name. We're not sure. We're thinking maybe we've just been calling him Bossy now because of his his attitude. Um, but pretty funny, right? <laughs> <That's> pretty great. <laughs> um, but basically, we're we're at the same spot. We've been we've kind of plateaued now, which is to say, I have a routine for how I can go in and collect the eggs without Flossie. Uh, Fully attacking me, which is I get handfuls of grass clippings just from around the property, get two big handfuls, and I throw the grass in there, and that gets all the chickens and the goose all go over there to eat, and then I slip in the door, the front door to their run, and I fill up their food things, and then I run back to the hutch, and I start collecting the eggs, and then usually around this time, Flossie catches on that I'm doing this and starts walking towards me, and I keep one eye, continue collecting eggs. And then sometimes Flossie comes kind of quickly around the hutch, and so I go the other direction, and we play Ring Around the Rosie for a little bit. And I keep trying to lose the goose. That's my plan, usually. And usually it works out where Flossie kind of just keeps a distance, keeps an eye on me, and I can collect the eggs and get out of there. Um, haven't been attacked by Flossie in a while. I was out of nowhere from the top rope, came the rooster a couple days ago, and I was not prepared for that because whoever expects or you never expect a rooster to no, no one expects a rooster your, when you're worried about the goose, you never think of the rooster, as the saying goes. That's where, <laughs> and, that's where that saying comes from. Okay. Uh, I know. It was hard to parse. People never I really understood. Yeah. Um I live living it every I was, day. <laughs> I was doing something, uh, I was refilling their water, and I had seen that Flossie was like fully occupied, so I wasn't worried. And I had my big brown boots on, and I was in there. The boots are important because I think it's what the rooster thinks is like another. I almost think the way the rooster looks at my boots, it's not that he covets them, it's that he <laughs> wants to attack them. And so... It's not that I he covets them, after. he just said he hates them. Yeah, I think he <laughs> hates them. And uh, so anyways, I was filling up the water and all of a sudden, I just got like slammed into from behind right in the back of both my calves. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? And I looked around and the rooster was kind of like laying on his back, like he just jumped back up, like he just got back on his feet. Obviously having just done like a, what I assume was a diving two-legged kick to the back of my legs, you know, talons first. <laughs> He's trying
0: to like I would sl- have loved to sl- see
1: slice your Achilles. He's trying to bring you down. I <laughs> think he was. He was trying to take me, down, take me down behind the knees. And I turned around and look. I it, like it didn't really hurt. It was just more startling. I uh, looked at him and he kind of like, I like, didn't kick him. I was pushing with him. I put my foot out towards him. And he kind of ran away all tough. And, <laughs> ran away uh, so all tough. I I to. <laughs> 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 so I guess now I have to keep an eye on the rooster. I don't know. There's no winning, it seems like. Um, but so I guess we'll keep it. we'll have a rooster update next week to see if the yeah. roosters decided to take any other <laughs> any other moves at me., um, but for now, I mean, still collecting eggs, still not an enjoyable task. When I go to close them up tonight, it'll be that same nightly routine that I've told you where uh, they keep Flossie out and I have to try and gas Flossie up until she comes storming inside of the hutch and then I can close the door before she gets back out. It's a whole thing. Um and every night it seems to take longer, <laughs> longer. I think we're gonna reach a point where there's nothing, and I, I'm just not gonna close them or something. I'm, just gonna let, I'm gonna let them, you know, take on the night the night creatures on their own. That's what that's what they get. That's what they get. So, they get. so. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, what about you? How's your farm? Or how's your well? How is your farm? It's oh, popping off,
0: my man. Yeah. Mainly because I don't really use herbs all that much. So. <laughs> I don't really do much pruning or t- removing of things, so it's just kind of creating a little jungle situation in
1: my kitchen. I mean, you can always, you know, cut them and dry them for certain ones. Whatever you got there. I, should, I mean, yeah, if they ever get I too, do. they get too unruly, you can, you can cut them and dry them. Have some dried thyme, some dried yeah. basil. I kind of messed up the way I put them in there, so that some of the shorter ones are definitely
0: getting overshadowed by the just crazy basil. Um, yeah, that's parsley is man. like not growing very well. Yeah. But I mean, it's just it's good. I did buy <laughs> I did buy some mozzarella so that I can make some caprese
1: sandwiches. Nice, with your, with all that your farm
0: fresh basil. Oh, yeah, and my homemade bread. I'm basically on a farm. <laughs> Pretty close. Earlier I today, some it's... birds landed on my windowsill right on the other side of my computer, and they were being loud as hell, and they were interrupting my call.
1: <laughs> That's how it is, man. It's yeah. like you're out in the country. Basically, I'm pretty sure that's what Little House on the Prairie was like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, loud ass birds ruining uh,
0: Zoom calls. Mm -hmm. Actually, I was on a call with a client yesterday, and apparently, a family of geese were had like have made just outside this conference room their home, and they were so loud. I thought it was somebody with small children in the background of their call, just like yelling, and no, it was geese just screaming at each other. Which is even worse than small children. Yeah, it was rough. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, things. uh, My farm is great. Um, I don't have a name for it yet. We should probably get the uh, fields of work nation
1: going on, coming up with a name for my uh, kitchen farm. But it's just. uh, That's just. I I just. I think like me, you've got a pretty good old man farmery middle name. I think you just go ahead and call. I think you just call those. Othas organics.
0: Otha's Organics sounds like I should be selling drugs out of the back of my van. Okay. Um, I like – um, how about Otha's Acres? It's, and, then it's it's funny, an acre. and then it's funny because it's just a little contraption.
1: Like it's half an funny. acre at most. Um, You know, we'll keep workshopping it. But we'll I do think – well, I think it, yeah. if you became a farmer, you would have to go by Farmer Otha.
0: Farmer Otha. I guess so. Mm-hmm. Kind of how you went by Otis on your hockey team.
1: Yep. And how I think – and I really should have maybe just embraced – I think later in life I'm going to go by Farmer Otis when I'm older and on my own farm. I'm, people are going to know me around town as Farmer Otis. Yeah. Um. For now, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel fitting. Yeah, you know, I don't I'm think too, you I'm can too young, wear
0: too spry. a backwards baseball hat and be Farmer mm-hmm. Otis. I think when you have shifted
1: into overalls with no shirt, then you mm-hmm. can be Farmer Otis. I can do that. Well, but, go for it. I think yeah. I think I don't think Farmer Otis would have like a long hair though. No, like a man bun. That seems. I'll <laughs> we'll work on it. Yeah. <laughs> so what else is going on? It seems like according to our our list here, you have a lot of big things have been happening. I mean, we don't need to talk about all of these. These are just various
0: things that we could potentially talk about. Oh, what 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 do you want to? Which one? Where do you want me to start?
1: Um, do, what, what are these major, so there's major changes at the client. That seems like <laughs> where you spend most of your time. I feel like that's an important thing. Yes. Unless it's so, super boring. No, <laughs> it's, I mean, I don't
0: know. It no, the, all it's, depends no, on your yeah. perspective. Perspect- uh, yeah. but as I've mentioned before, this client, we have multiple contracts going on at it. And I have been working on a smaller contract, uh, which is really, we'd, we would call it more of an advisory contact where I'm essentially working with one leadership team and a small handful of leaders and a couple of other, couple of other kind of ad hoc things I will get pulled into. Um, but it's been good and a lot of fun. And I've really enjoyed working with this leader, uh, a VP at this company. And just like out of the blue, yesterday, he announced that he's leaving the company. Uh, oh. And I did not see it coming. Apparently, he had already told the team the rest of like his actual direct reports the day before, so like they were not—they uh, were already in the loop. But it was just—it was—it yeah. was so jarring because we had just done like an hour and a half long meeting that I had facilitated, and I thought there was like good energy and yeah, and then we were like talking about the future, and then we were doing a closing round. And he mentioned, like, and you know, as you all know, like the the announcement just went out, like literally a minute ago, that I'll be leaving the client uh, client name here. And I thought he was doing a joke, <laughs> like I, yeah. I started laughing because I thought he was like doing a fun fun joke time. And then I realized no, he mm-hmm. was not. He was actually being serious. And I told him that he has now officially won the award for most jarring closing round ever. They're usually just kind of like mundane observations yeah. about how the meeting went um, and not that you know a gentleman who has been with this company for 25 years is leaving to go take on a different uh different role uh but i mean it's not uh, there's it, it, what it has done is create a lot of uncertainty about like i'm not really worried about the next couple of weeks this actual the contract that we already have in place only runs basically to the end of this month, like another week or so. Um, mm-hmm. We were planning; I was planning a major, like five-hour session for an off-site that was coming up that is actually after his uh, last day. So I'm not really sure what's happening with that. I'm going to talk to him on Friday. The part that has kind of really um, that I'm just really unsure about now is what the potential is to extend this work. Um, I thought with him in the role, we were making good progress on the work. And um, I was unclear as to whether it would be potentially a more normal, larger project that we could do. I think I have a good case to make that there is that sort of thing to do with his organization. I thought there was a chance that that could happen. Um, but there was also, I think, an even higher chance that I we would just continue on with this advisory sort of project, which, mm-hmm. you know, they're such a huge organization that what we charge for basically having access to me as an advisor is just a drop in the bucket for the most part for them. So it's yeah. easy for them to kind of re-up that every three months. And I've actually really enjoyed doing that work. It's less intense than a actual transformation project. It gives me a little bit more time to help out with other things at this client or things internal to the ready. So I was going to be pretty open to that, but now I'm just really unclear if there's any shot of that continuing on since he is leaving and he kind of holds the purse strings the what makes me think think that there may be is that his direct reports i have i have worked a lot with and nobody is immediately stepping into the role that he is vacating Uh, basically Mm -hmm. his two direct reports are going to report directly to his old uh, boss So like they're going to be around. They they have budgets. They may want to continue the work. I think I'll have a lot more clarity on that after uh, our meeting on Friday. They and they've been in on the whole process, right? I mean, they. Yeah, I mean, I haven't worked with the two of them as much as I had worked with um, the the actual stakeholder. Uh, But I mean, I'm around them all the time. I've had meetings with both of them, um, one more than the other. Um, So. Yeah, I don't know I think there's a chance they say like hey yeah we want to keep you around while we kind of navigate this um, let's just re-up your contract for a couple of months and just keep it going um, which I think I think I'd be open to uh, or they may say like hey you know with with, with him leaving there's not really it, it this is a good time to just kind of stop what you've been doing and we're gonna you know things are, are so uncertain it doesn't really make sense for you to stick around I don't yeah. know. But uh, That's pretty big. At this organization, I've been there now for over two years. Two years yeah. in last January, and I have been a part of this project or the various projects <laughs> that it has spawned have been a part of four or five reorgs at this point that have changed mm-hmm. the structure of the teams that we're working with or even to the point of like completely disbanding teams that we were working with
1: um so I do, i've that gotten, came, yeah yeah
0: i was, was gonna say to that it. came up
1: on a previous episode yeah. at least once <laughs> yeah no <laughs> it has happened, kind of happened pretty happen-
0: consistently uh which is it's, always just kind of yeah. funny because like we we talk about like the one of the reasons the ready exists is because that approach to like organization design and change uh doesn't work all that great and it creates a lot of turmoil within uh organizations <laughs> while everybody's trying to like reacclimate to like who's reporting to who and who is doing what and like who are, who's my new team. And it just creates a lot of, a lot of churn. Um, yeah. This is a little bit different though. Cause this is somebody deciding to leave. So yeah. I don't know what they're going to do to, if I had to guess these two kind of sub organizations that were united under him will just be independent organizations that report to the COO is my, mm-hmm. is my guess. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say is that I mean you kind of already tackled this but I'll say that that must be kind of like I like, uh I don't know if it's ex- like frustrating that, that that these reorgs and stuff happen so often because you guys are feeling like you're kind of there to hopefully you know change maybe <laughs> yeah. the that as a solution to a problem or something that's not working as you fall back on well you must do a reorg or let's move yeah. let's move people around um but who who does? We yeah, know they're happening less frequently than they
0: used to. <laughs> I don't. I don't think we've really had any impact at that level. I mean, I think we've had mm-hmm. good good impact, but those decisions are being made at yeah. you know a level or two above where we're really working every day. Um, you know, the people that we're working with, even though they're VPs, um, a lot of times they feel kind of powerless uh, around it uh, as well, yeah. which is like bonkers, because you know. These people are incredibly powerful. have a th- have thousands of people reporting to them. Probably make over a million dollars a year in salary, and uh, you know are just kind of like kind of like throw their hands up in the air, and be like uh, I can't actually
1: impact this. This is like happening above me. I'm like, really? But I, I see true. it. You need to you need to work your way up, Sam. Get to the top. <laughs> not you know to work with the people at the top. That's not trying to take them down. I'm saying oh, get up okay, get yeah. up there. Get up there. Start reworking things up.
0: I mean, up. we're only like we're like a two levels from the C suite with the work that we're doing right now, which is like pretty I mean when you're talking about an organization that has over hundred thousand people, like yeah. we have pretty great access. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we could potentially have uh do start doing some work with folks who are, you know, who report directly to the to the
1: CEO. Do they do they um are they? I mean, this is might sound silly. Are they aware of the work that you guys are kind of doing within the company? Like, is it much? Did ever kind of yeah. come across that? What's I that? think. I think. I think. In pockets, yes, because
0: there are folks that we have worked with who really interact with the the executive leadership team or the the C suite pretty consistently. And I know mm-hmm. we have. I not not my project specifically, but Will's project, they facilitated a uh, strategy meeting for uh, somebody who I think is kind of in that group. Uh, So we're not like day-to-day, like the way I show up kind of day-to-day, week-to-week with the team that I was working with in terms of like facilitating their meetings and like being around a lot, we're not doing that at that level, but there are these like bits and pieces of the stuff that we do that I think are filtering their way to the top. I mean, we have talked about ways and tried to be more strategic around how do we get more face time with folks who are even higher in the mm-hmm. organization. Um, and, you know, that always comes with some risk reward calculations to, to do. There are some benefits to kind of flying under the radar. Uh, yeah. Because you know, you're at less risk of, of pissing someone off or getting your project destroyed or something. And you can build mm-hmm. support for the stuff that we care about without that high-level buy-in. But in organizations like this one, because the hierarchy is so strong, there is an element you need you need some, some people from the very top to really buy in and, and set the tone and be kind of a model of some of the stuff that we're trying to do. And while we have worked with some very senior people, we haven't really gotten it from the very, very top. So I don't know We're we're thinking about how do we, how do we potentially, uh, structure that or how do we manufacture that opportunity for ourselves? And it may be through, through this. I mean, like I said, these two guys who I may end up continuing working with will report directly to the COO, um, so they may want to have me around and if I'm still working with them then I may get some FaceTime with the COO and then at that point, you know, you're just you're you're basically at the top. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's it's interesting. Cool. Um, it just it's just funny how quickly like I I feel like I'm pretty good at like having a sense of what's coming down the pike or what might be coming down and for whatever reason and like now in retrospect, there are some things that have happened in the past couple of months where I should not be surprised by by this, um, mm-hmm. but I was like completely caught off guard by it on uh, on Tuesday. And there are like a handful of things I've been working on. And I'm like, well, I'm going to pause all of these until I talk to him during our normal Friday uh, touch base uh, meeting to see yeah. if like any of this makes sense for me to continue
1: doing. So by yeah, so by so this just happened. So by next recording, you might know whether or not you're kind of continuing on to try and you know keep working with the same group uh without him there per se or if you're gonna maybe i'll
0: have a better pitch something else i'll have a better sense of it because officially my contract ends yeah next week basically but there's an event Mm -hmm. on the seventh and eighth that i need to facilitate and i don't know if they were just gonna try to just simply bump me for another month or like basically take a couple of days from next week and put them out into that following week for me to work. I mean, honestly, I, I don't personally care about, you know, kind of doing a little bit of extra work outside of the contract because we have a lot of trust with them and it's not a big deal. And it's not even a lot of money in the grand scheme of things, but they may have more strict rules about not engaging with contractors who aren't officially under contract. I don't know. I'll figure it all out. Neat. Yeah. So that's been the main thing that I've been, um, thinking about or, or wrestling with. Um, the other thing, so the, one of our other contracts, our longest lasting contract um, at, at the client, there's, um, we've had this, so it go goes, that contract goes through the end of May, and we've had, there's multiple facets to it. Really this contract is about building um, artifacts, like tutorials and templates and other explainers and like things that, people can take and go use with their teams uh, without mm-hmm. necessarily needing us to be there to facilitate things. Uh, yeah. So this contract has really been about like building that stuff up and doing some ad hoc facilitating here and there. But one of the things that was baked into that contract was this idea that we really wanted to pull together a community of leaders across this enterprise, people who we have been working with in various parts of the organization, uh, and bring them together into a we were calling it a community of practice that can mean a lot of different things at this organization. It's kind of a dirty word like nobody likes communities of practice. They're not fun or interesting. So we were <laughs> going to call it something else. But basically, it pull pulled together this community of leaders who care who have been exposed to our work who are um, on board with it philosophically and theoretically and like figure out what to do with them um, to help them be influencers for the stuff that we're trying to bring to this organization. And like, Mm -hmm. we just haven't gotten that project up and running. We finally had a working session on it yesterday to really like, all right, what are we going to actually do here? Like, you know, the end of May is coming up. We got to, we're going to do something here. We got to do it. And, um, what we kind of landed on was, you know, the fact that we haven't really done anything with this group is because honestly, at least half of the people who we would want part to be a part of this group have left in the last couple of months, um, yeah. for various unrelated reasons. Although there is this phenomenon that I have seen multiple times at a client where the people who are the most engaged with us in a project, um, eventually, if the organization doesn't change enough, get so frustrated that they realize they want to go work somewhere else, and they leave. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like a, a tiny smidge of that in in this. But basically, it, we yeah, don't really have that. a ready-made community of those leaders anymore to like go do stuff with. So we're going to do like an essentially. I'm going to lead an internal, essentially, essentially an internal newsletter um, that we're going to send to these leaders. That is going to be partially informational, partially just kind of keeping them in the loop, making them feel special that we're giving them stuff that they can use and connecting them to each other and and try to build this internal newsletter in this organization and build a group of people who we could then potentially um, go, you know, do an event with or invite them to a working session or some other sort of more intimate uh experience intimate experience sounds terrible what i mean is just like <laughs> <laughs> like showing up in like doing like a, a conference with us or something like that yeah um so i'm going to essentially so i the funny thing is i've like given up the Readys newsletter like we have a freelancer now mm-hmm. a contractor who is who has taken that on and she's doing a great job and uh it's funny that just as i kind of stopped doing that i'm going to be taking on essentially an internal newsletter writing role on this project yeah which I'm actually fine with because I've been trying to build more opportunities for me to, to write. Um, I wasn't necessarily thinking of it as terms of newsletters. I was thinking more like articles and and whatnot, but honestly, for a couple of months, it'll be fun to dedicate um, some, some time to figuring out how to write useful stuff for these leaders and putting it in front of them in like a fun way where it's not just another kind of, Bullshit corporate thing for them to read, but something that they're yeah. actually looking forward to, and maybe it'll have videos or who knows what else. But um yeah, probably a vlog. Maybe just you doing a vlog. Maybe, maybe, not, maybe send them this podcast. Yeah, I just yes, send them. I need, just send really. them uh, an annotated, really long annotated like transcript of our podcast each week, and mm-hmm. I think that's all they really need.
1: It's all, Sam. It's all anyone needs. That's true. That's the that's what we're just what we're doing we're here. That's what people don't realize. Entertainment. <laughs> I'll be to say that I've been. Um, have you ever read the book Player Piano by Vonnegut? No, I almost no. picked it up the other day because
0: I know you were reading it, and I was looking
1: for something new to read, but I, I did not grab yeah. it. And uh and and I read it. Well, I've been reading more Vonnegut, but I read it because Joey said it was his favorite um, Vonnegut book. But I was just gonna comment on. I know I've been reading too many books about like. You know, and in that book, there's you know a, a society, a, a group of people that are essentially wanting to overthrow the the machines and stuff that are that are running the way of life. Um, I do think you'd probably actually really enjoy the book, but it just sounds like it sounds like you're. Uh, when you talk about like getting this information out there and starting to connect these people together, it sounds like you're kind of like starting like a revolution from the inside out. It's like, you know, we gotta get gotta honestly get them, the pamphlets that they can start posting on the wall so people start seeing things about this type of holacracy and these different It's not order. that different. Honestly, honestly, is it isn't. I dude, mean that's it's, how think, that's how things change. But like, We
0: have a channel on their their Slack instance. We didn't actually name it. Our our the the woman that I've been working with the longest on this project named it, but she called it Join the Movement. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's like certainly an element of like you get enough groundswell support for some of these key ideas, and they start to become more successful, and they just start to become less weird and like scary yeah. to people who aren't inclined to be on the cutting edge of of new ways of doing things. There's like an element of. Some of these ideas that we introduce can just become like how you do things. Like, if you join a team and they just do some of these things that are unfamiliar to you, you yeah. don't necessarily know any better. You just think this is what the team does, and you quickly learn it, and like it works really well, and you don't think twice about it. Uh, so, there yeah. certainly is, you know, earlier I was talking about needing some top down support, which is I do think is true, but I think even more true is the bottom-up, kind of groundswell yeah. uh, approach to, to this work as well. And ideally, they meet somewhere in the middle where you have the top-down leaders really espousing support for the stuff that is really growing at the uh, grassroots level.
1: Yeah, and I can tell, I mean, the other thing, and obviously I'm not in the corporate world, so I can't speak for experience, but just hearing people talk, like I think every single organization has now done some form of like you know, Kaizen, the lean, this, that. You know, there's so much of this leadership stuff that floats around now because these corporations s- go to some conference or something and see something and try and bring it back to yeah. their company but like kind of half-assed or they don't actually know how to apply it to their company and you know it's kind of this thing where like i think a lot of the employees like oh great we have a meeting on friday because so so wants to try this new thing <laughs> that they went to this conference for and i wouldn't doubt that like I could see why and a lot of people are like, you know, a lot of white collar workers. is like, I just want to go to work and like do my work. And so it can be really hard probably to build that momentum when so many people are one, maybe a little bit um, anti having to sh- change those types of things too much because it's just like, listen, I'm just trying to get my job done and maybe not realizing that like the stuff that you guys are trying to do there would make their job a lot easier or enjoyable or, you know, would really clear a lot of the roadblocks that currently exist. But I think the problem is now is because so much of that kind of stuff has just been thrown at companies and and buzzwords and all these different types of things that people are pretty much just like, if it sounds kind of out there and new and different, it's like, I don't want to be a part of it. (laughs) Like, I don't want to. That's that's certainly true. Um, The nice
0: thing is we tend to work in systems that are so large That just from like law of large numbers, you're going to have some folks who are naturally drawn to this and they really enjoy it. And early on in projects, um, and you know, even two years in, I would say this is early on to any sort of really large scale organizational change. You just you follow the yeses, is what we say. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. You go to the teams who are asking for more. You expose a lot of people to the basic ideas, and the people who raise their hand who to to, to do more. You go to them and you do deeper stuff, and you just kind of keep following the yeses. And eventually, yeah. yeah, you run out of people who are just naturally inclined to do this stuff. But by then, hopefully you've built up this kind of sense of momentum that the, yeah. the naysayers um, don't even necessarily see it as a thing to like say nay to because it's just yeah. you know a thing that's that's happening
1: and it's probably, I'm sure, the second that you, if maybe you look at another team that has adopted this thing, and they exactly. just like you talk, you talk to one guy who works in that group, and he's talking about how great you know they've yeah. the, half the meetings that you know things are moving right along exactly. about you know they're accomplishing the things that they've been wanting to accomplish. Is probably look around at your okay, group yeah, and give think, me like, some of that. Right, the Yeah, I want in on that, and yeah, I'm sure exactly. obviously that's how grassroots things take. Yeah, you know, that's how they form. But um, that's cool. I mean, hopefully uh, that'll be an interesting project for you to work on. You can tell yeah. us a little bit more about. It kind of co- coincides with your wanting to write more in general. Um, yep. But yeah, you know, obviously this is. Well, I mean, not that you are not doing work writing in general, but are you still journaling in the mornings? Yeah, I'm still doing my seven to eight a.m. Most, yeah. most
0: days. I mean, I missed two days last week because I was under the weather. Um, but did it today. Um, yeah, so far, I, it's feeling like a pretty stable part of my uh, of my morning routine. You know, some days. I'm more so either just editing something I've already written or even just like brainstorming something I want to write. And some days I'm actually drafting a bunch of words. Uh, But so far, I'm I'm treating that time pretty well.
1: Sweet. Well, we're kind of running long, but we can definitely dive dive into that uh, next time because I do want to hear more about it. Yeah.
0: I have a proposal for you. I'm going to give you a piece of homework and maybe we can talk about it next week homework um, okay so I just shared it in the our family chat but Aaron the, the founder of the ready um, oh, right. recently gave a talk where he talked about a bunch of stuff about how the ready actually does stuff and mm-hmm. know, I've referred to the fact that we're a self-managing company um, and that we do a bunch of like kind of wild things that most organizations don't and this is the first time I'm pretty sure where he has talked about it in like an actual structured talk that was recorded so I think you should watch that. And bring any questions you have about things that he talks about in that, and we can go deeper on those things. And I'll we'll make sure there's a link to it um, in uh, the the show notes for this episode as well. If anybody else wants to pre pre
1: watch it, but maybe we can talk about that next time. Yeah. Yep. I can definitely I can definitely do that. All right. So maybe answer this will answer some of those questions for people out there, you know? Yeah, Bill, maybe. Bill who's always wondering, like, what's the ready? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like
0: we don't. He doesn't really talk too much about like what we do with clients. This is purely kind of internally. How do we live yeah. the principles that show up in Aaron's
1: book and that we help bring um, to our yeah. to our clients? Well,
0: I we thought it was, about that. I thought it was yeah.
1: interesting. With like your guys' retreats and stuff, how you guys, you know, we'll try this thing out, try that thing out. Yeah. I, think it, you know.
0: I think retreats is one of the topics, you know, our our, our self-set salaries,
1: um, things like that. Yeah. Things that sound wild when I try to explain. Wild people, so and
0: crazy. That's right. Yeah. All right. We got go to wrap because I need to eat some dessert and go to bed. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you do. Yes, you do. That was a euphemism for go to the bathroom and then go. Oh, okay. I've been been Sam. I've been Max. All right, I'll see you next week. See you, man.